Hello, and welcome to Make My Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jana Hill. And I'm Elias Rosner, and we have returned from the AIM Laboratories as mental organisms designed only for critiquing? Excelsior! If yeah. you couldn't tell from our title, we are here to discuss our, I don't know if it's favorite character, I would not go that far. <laughs> I would say uh, your favorite character has been kind of a theme of this podcast. Yes, I think my favorite po- character to talk about on this podcast, Modoc, and the 2020, 2021... 2021 animated series i was surprised as well but that's part of the uh time getting stretched out marvel time human time the relativity of tv releases is truly as confusing as marvel's sliding time scale the cancellation of the all the all the hulu shows yeah there's just like this insane behind the scenes you have to be uh copyright paralegal uh crunching these papers to fucking know who owns which show at which minute because Disney we should call in Walt ha- one day. Well, this is kind of my my day job now off the show, you know. Oh, it, is I do uh I do stuff with copyrights for TV shows, but so like uh all the weird stuff about how when Disney bought Fox, that came with Fox's shares of Hulu giving them a majority stake in like Hulu productions. Yeah, there's like you could really get deep into that, but. That has nothing to do with George Tarleton, mad scientist and head in the chair, who you love so very much, Elias. <laughs> He's just so, so, uh, what's the word for it? Schlubby. Yeah, well, that's kind of the theme of this show is, uh, what a schlub Modoc is. Um, yeah. This particular Modoc show, like, as you were saying, was kind of going to be part of another little set of shared universe Marvel things in this way that they, uh... I don't know. I guess I got kind of irritated about around the time they were doing this. There was a lot of failed initiatives, but like they had their little yeah. Netflix corner where all the Netflix stuff would cross over, but never with movie stuff in a significant way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, not. And then there's Agents of Shield, right? Which I don't on ABC. And there, there was like all these little pocket continuities that would like weirdly copyright free allude to each other. And Modoc was supposed to be a set with what was going to be the Offenders. Do you remember the, the Offenders? <laughs> I do. Yeah, which was different from the... Oh, well, I think they were just going to call it the Midnight Suns, which was all the horror stuff that was going to end up on Hulu, with which Hellstrom was supposed to start. And, uh... Hmm. Pretty conclusively finished. Yeah. Um, I'm sad we never got the Ghost Rider show, though. Yeah, I like Ghost Rider on that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. arc. That's right. Yeah. I watched a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I watched every episode as it aired. Loved Damn. that show. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of ruled. Um, wow, it's amazing Amazing how these narratives change when you pay attention over a long enough time period. Um, <laughs> but so this Modoc series, I guess most people would call it the Pat Oswalt Modoc series. It was created mm-hmm. by Pat Oswalt and Jordan Blum um, and produced by Stupid Buddy Studios, um, which, if you're into movie and animation production stuff, is the Robot Chicken people. Um, yeah. In this case, uh, this show was produced by Eric Towner and Alex Kramer, who I guess you could say broadly were responsible for the animation of this, but obviously it's like a huge group effort with hundreds if not thousands of people contributing. It's hard to boil it down to just one person. It's a collaborative medium. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with stop motion. Uh, were you ever a Robot Chicken fan elias i feel like uh this is an age difference thing like i you're probably too young for robot chicken i caught you know glimpses of it every so often at uh you know on adult swim but i never regularly watched robot chicken it was kind of like same with south park never regularly watched it i was yeah i was a watcher of both south park and robot chicken um yeah robot chicken was cool when it came out i don't know people i knew (laughs) thought it was cool it was the the cool adult mad essentially. Well, you say adult, but like we, I was sixteen or whatever when I was into it, like wow. sixteen to twenty, and uh, and I was like, there's ah, a lot this... more blood and a lot more swearing. Yeah, and I still very fondly remember their Star Wars specials and their DC specials, pretty funny too. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so it's got like that stop motion robot chicken animation, and I would say also like largely um the comedy sensibilities of those shows as well 
Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of gross stuff, and a lot of stuff that they know they can make look like freaky and memorable given the constraints of their weird stop-motion claymation-y style. <laughs> uh, an example true. in this Modoc show would be like that turkey man that would, that was just <sighs> a cooked Thanksgiving turkey holding a carving knife. What a great image, but also... Ugh. Like, I don't... I, not that I found that wasn't a reference to a Marvel comic that I know of, but, like, a comic drawing of that would never be as freaky as the weird, rubbery texture of that animation style. Yeah, just the way it moved. Yeah, and the way it moved, yeah. Um, these guys know what they're doing when it comes to animation, even if it's not uh, necessarily someone's favorite thing. Like, yeah. you cannot deny yeah, that sure. they, they have experience doing this. Um... Now, Pat Nozzle's the star, and I'm pretty sure the writer of a bunch of these, but uh, so is Jordan Blum is a credited writer, and I, you know, that's maybe not the most memorable name, so I had to go looking up Jordan Blum. Was that a, is that a household name in your household? It's not a household name. I mean, I'd heard it a couple times. I knew that he was associated with, you know, other TV projects. I thought he was a former robot chicken writer, but... Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's part of those, that mm-hmm. crew. Um yeah. But, when you but look, I know that he and Pat Oswalt did that Modoc miniseries ahead of the Modoc series. That's pretty much all I know of him. And you can also find him, um, he wrote a lot of American Dad. That was the thing that I found that was most associated with him. But I was just huh. trying to see, like, has he ever done anything um, that I felt strongly about? Because American Dad, I, you know, I checked it out, I think, when the first episode premiered. I decided it wasn't for me and never looked back. <laughs> um, but it turns out mm-hmm. that... Uh, uh, Jordan Blum is the creator of Meow Meow Beans in that one episode of Community. Huh. I haven't watched Community, so this is <laughs> right over my head. The, uh, the one where it becomes like Logan's run and they go into a weird like 80s sci-fi movie because they all get too addicted to this new app on their phones called Meow Meow Beans. <laughs> I would say that uh, next to the other, the next to an episode of Community that you can no longer watch on the streaming because of a blackface joke. Um, this is my favorite, or one of my couple of favorite episodes of Community. This episode oh, that he wrote. Um, yeah, comedy is crazy, you guys. Um, but uh, so definitely, like, wrote one of my most like thought about, most annoyingly quoted, and with my friends and family. <laughs> Uh, episodes of television ever. Jordan Blum gets like an A-OK in my book. A cool guy for bringing Miyama Beans to our life. <laughs> um, so, as you mentioned earlier, Lies, uh, Modoc has, has kind of become your favorite character in this, but you didn't know you loved Modoc before we started making this podcast together? Not really. Um, I mean, Modoc had been... He'd showed up every so often. I always got him confused with Mojo. Um, you know, the big terrifying spider tv guy from who menaces the x-men and makes them uh created the x-babies yeah yeah but modok i i mean before all of this the first time i had ever encountered modok was watching my friend play marvel versus capcom 3 (laughs) and modok was like the character to pick right next to um i think it was frank west uh I, he, the the dead dead rising photographer. Oh video yeah, game guy. I don't remember that guy's name either. That's a guy with a boring name who uh, has a lot of different weapons and like shopping yeah, he, cart full of chainsaws. Yeah, and he fights with his camera, and I found that hilarious. That's the one where you can be Phoenix Wright, right? Yep, you could also be Phoenix Wright. <laughs> yeah, that game is fun. You you, you just can would... beat up Thanos as Phoenix Wright. That's, yeah, I didn't realize I wanted that. Marvel vs. Capcom really is a. Uh great wish fulfillment yeah specifically three i think i haven't heard good things about the rest of the games I, but yeah uh, that's where i saw modok um but now i kind of love him because he's so ridiculous and yeah, this and show turns his ridiculous up to 11 yeah he's kind of like the mascot for ridiculousness yeah i appreciate that he's not actually menacing that they decided not to go for menacing modok because menacing Modoc is less fun than petty, ridiculous science Modoc. Yeah, so that I guess that's the the vibe with Modoc in the comics. Like pretty much from the beginning is um, he's like a brat, 
and uh, yeah. he's got his little baby legs and he kicks them and he'll cry and he'll wail. He's got like no self-awareness. So you can write him in that like hilarious smug Silver Age way that but it, like Dr. Octopus you still will hear that voice for. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Norman Osborn now talks just like a, a contemporary asshole. <laughs> yeah, or, it works better for him. Yeah, but um, but Modoc would always talks like they wrote like Stanley's writing him in the sixties, and true about this show as well. And the titles of the episodes of this show all were Stanley themed titles. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I um, Modoc's like all right. Modoc's a villain I like. I guess what we're trying to get at, I think, is how Modoc brings like a very. When I was in the nineties, I remember associating Modoc with like Captain America. I he just I think oh. he was in a bunch of Captain America comics, and Captain America would fight AIM a lot. Yeah, he would. And it's it, Modoc has this great like cartoon vibe where he can do like gross cartoon mad cartoony mad science. He's got those AIM beekeepers who have such a distinct look, and it's like in in like a GI Joe kind of cartoon vibe. It's so fun to have Captain America like salute the flag, kick six hundred beekeepers to finally uh, put the handcuffs on Modoc's tiny little baby arms hanging off <laughs> from his big chair. Like, I think that fits into that whole oeuvre of, uh, of 80s, 90s cartoons, you know? It really, yeah. And I get the feeling that the that uh, Jordan Blum and Pat Oswalt grew up in those sorts of cartoons. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and you can tell that... that they also have a real love for the Marvel characters. I think Patton Oswalt has made no bones about that. He was even in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's right. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, there was his famous uh, monologue where he has to filibuster on um, Parks and Rec, and he just improvises this entire like long thing about uh, Marvel Comics continuity. <laughs> oh, he's also, I mean, if they ever get a sequel, which I who knows, he's going to be in Eternals too. Um, I have, oh, that's right. I know he plays in Eternals one. I haven't seen Eternals yet. I got to see it before we record an episode about it. Oh, you um, do. I do. I just like, yep. Yeah, I, I missed my first Marvel movies. I saw all of them through Black Widow and then Spider-Man and, uh, Eternals I missed. Broke by streak. Ah, uh, well, you can be forgiven. I, they, I gave those people a decade of my vital years. <laughs> um, before we, uh... Before we move on, I just wanted to, like, uh, do you, I was a bit of a family guide teen because I thought it was cool, even though, it, like, it kind of made me uncomfortable to watch, and I was like, I don't know if I like yeah. this comedy. Um, but I kept on subjecting myself to it because that's what we did in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, like, uh, did you have, like, a family guy, American Dad, the Cleveland show? Like, there's a whole fucking empire of these things. I don't know. And like, I'll be honest. And there was Robot Chicken, uh, like uh, Tim and Eric, like those like weird Adult Swim comedy stuff too, uh, that I associate with like it's kind of it's subversive and it's scary and it's on late at night and they want you to be kind of scared of it. Well, I def I don't know if I was ever scared of it, but I definitely it was not the kind of show I enjoyed watching. I'd watch like an episode or two. I'd be like, mm, I don't know if I like this. Especially, especially, I don't know, South Park. Everyone around me was like, I love South Park. I'm like, okay, I guess it's funny. Like mean-spirited Gen X comedy. Yeah. I never really liked, I never really liked it. I didn't like the mean. I I mean, it didn't help that I was growing up also with the quote-unquote modern golden age of animation. So I was watching a lot of the, that stuff, like Adventure Time and, and whatnot. Yeah. And prior to that, all the very fun, but I would not call them good nowadays uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Sure, I get I, things that were bad Saturday cartoon morning cartoons that I liked as a young child are now being made as weird, terrifying act uh, CGI regular animation hybrids. Oh yeah, uh, that's Chip and Such Dale. Such is the for content wheel. Keeping score at home um but before we fully head to a commercial break i thought a good way to like uh, set us up to talk about modok uh would be to do a performance review so here's what <laughs> i'm gonna do is i wrote i have written down here the name of every like above the credits uh, above the title featured players uh credited in every episode mm -hmm. um 
And I just want to briefly go through whether or not we think uh, we like these characters. Like, we had a fun time following them through this little cartoon series. And uh, the actors performing them. Starting with Patton Oswalt as MODOK. I mean, he is MODOK. He gets the voice. He gets the mannerisms. I genuinely cannot imagine someone else doing MODOK's voice now. Yeah. And Pat Oswalt is such a famous... He's fucking Remy from Ratatouille. One of the most famous cartoon voice guys ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally... Um, like, he had a take on MODOK. The whole show was built around Patton Oswalt is MODOK and, uh, like, selling it on his star, his his persona, his star persona. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this show worked for me. He worked for me. Yeah, MODOK was good. Um, for sure. How about Amy Garcia as MODOK's wife, Jody, Ex-wife, uh, Jody. I really liked her performance and her arc. It was kind of nice having someone be both the normal foil to MODOK and also, as you learn more about her, knowing, oh, yeah, so that's how she could fall for MODOK. Um, I thought Jamie Garcia was good in this. I liked her from, I always liked her from uh, Dexter and I always, I was looking out for her. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, she did a couple seasons of like later Dexter when it's not as good and I always liked her. Um... But we're going to talk more about how I feel about her arc, but, like, she definitely um, made the character feel inhabited. And it was, like, cool. If there was, like, a slouch for a part there, if there was, like, an actor who was just kind of sleepwalking through it, it wouldn't have worked. And she was really uh, committing. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, we got Ben Schwartz as Lou, and later as Lou. (laughs) I mean, he did a fine job. It was... It's a kid character, and kid characters are always... Uh, you know, you gotta tread that line, and I, I think, I think Ben Schwartz did a good job with the character he was given. I just didn't always love the character he was given. I, I mean, I, I think you're you're not really uh, understanding what Ben Schwartz is all about, though, because this is just classic Ben Schwartz do, showing up and doing Ben Schwartz with his like sing-songy, uh, energetic little boy voice. This, uh-huh. this was just Sonic the Hedgehog, and that Ben oh, Schwartz he is Sonic. Yeah, and that Ben Schwartz annoys me. I like Ben Schwartz uh, in stuff sometimes, but, like, um, was pretty aggravating in this for me. Ben Schwartz gets a thumbs down. Yeah. Sorry, Um, Ben. Sorry, Ben, who I hold no ill will to, just didn't work for me in the MODOK cartoon. Uh, Next up is Melissa Fumero as Melissa. Similar to Ben Schwartz, but I actually enjoyed watching Melissa's antics a lot more, and Melissa Fumero did a good job of really getting this is annoyed teenage girl who also has mind zap powers. Uh, One of the reasons I wanted to do a performance review is because I wanted to say that Melissa Fumero was the MVP of this show. Definitely the best voice performance with a bullet. I want to spin off about Melissa. She was the most interesting character who didn't have enough to do. And um, Melissa Fumero should be in more things. She's fucking great. Yes. Um... We got Wendy McLendon Covey as Monica Rappaccini. Excellent. Excellent as well. And uh, Elias, are you like, I'm a big Monica Rappaccini fan. Are you a Monica fan? I mean, not really. I have no, I have no feelings either way, but as the foil to Modoc here, perfect. Um, she is perfect. the rare, uh, rare female villain in Marvel and the rare female t- villain in STEM. Yeah. Um, probably the, one of the, one of the greatest in Marvel. And, um, and I thought that she was excellent in the show is the other best performance. Um, next we have Beck Bennett as Austin Vandersleet, the tech bro who buys up aim. He was a tech bro. That's basically all I gotta say. Um, He's, <laughs> he captured tech bro. Yeah, like room temperature butter. It was just like, yeah. it was just like it was on. It was there. It was on it. Nothing. Yeah, it was needed, but I was like, there's not 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 a lot done with it. Um. Then we had John Daly as the super adaptoid. <laughs> if you need someone to outschlub Modok, super adaptoid. Can I? Here's my hottest take. 
Okay, go for it. Super adaptive should not have been in this fucking show. This character brought nothing. Is this weird cartoon archetype I don't know why we're all so um, committed to? Where there needs to be mm-hmm. a member of the family who, um, it's like the who's dog. desperate. No, no, it's like Brian the dog on Family Guy is like the intelligent uh. dog who's part of the family. And then on American Dad, they got the alien and the fish. They got two. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. um, on the Harley Quinn show, and I love Frank the Plant. You got Frank the Plant. There's always yeah. like an inhuman animated guy who's just like living in the house and commenting on everyone else. And I find this archetype like unnecessary. I mean, I like Frank and I get, and I'm happy he's around, but Super Adaptoid contributed nothing to the story really. He wasn't very funny and he just kind of like interrupted stuff. I agree. Um, so my hot take is Super Adaptoid should have been replaced with Awesome Andy, the awesome android. You know Awesome Andy? No. Um, he is currently appearing in G. Willow Wilson's She-Hulk. He is a 10-foot-tall gray robot guy whose head is a perfect block. Wait, 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 wait. You mean um, not G. Willow Wilson. That's oh, Rainbow Rowell. I'm so sorry. Thank yes, you. Rainbow Rowell. Thank you for correcting me. I uh, I kind of just wish G. Willow Wilson was writing She-Hulk. Yeah. Not that Rainbow Rowell isn't lovely. I'm reading every issue and having a great time. But... um awesome and he's got a big block for a head and he carries around a little whiteboard and he can just write scribble quick messages and doodles on it and that's the only way he can communicate that's awesome put him in the background as like a liberated robot henchman and then that would be a great visual gag and then he doesn't have to just like annoyingly show up and yell horny things yeah and just uh, non-stop talking um and finally we got sam richardson as gary the henchman I kind of felt like he didn't need to be here, but at the same time, I was always happy to see Gary show up for, like, a small cutaway gag. Yeah, he kind of was, like, a nothing character who did nothing to drive the plot, and he kind of seemed like a token gay friend because they felt like they needed one. Yeah, I feel like they also tried to do that with John Daly a little bit, with the Uh, super adaptoid. Yeah, but they realized having, like, a weird horny nuisance be your token gay character might not be uh, the greatest, so you have, like, a nice, reliable guy who's Mm. uh, a... No, but Lou is gay. But I I know what you mean. Um, But I was gonna say, but it's Sam Richardson, so it's like, yeah, I'll hang out with Sam Richardson. I'll watch Sam Richardson do fucking anything. Sam Richardson's lovely. Um... So it sounds like we uh, are pretty positive towards most of the cast of MODOK, but the fact that there's a couple of sore spots makes me think we're going to have some, like, juicy stuff to uh, chew over in our next segment when we get into it after the break. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3Cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, wife. bad to Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***, and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us and welcome back we are talking about modok the patent oswald uh, created and voiced and starring show we also created by jordan blum which premiered on hulu for a season um so elias uh how did we like modok we talked a lot about um like context of how the show got made but did, like did you like it hmm yes Enough that I'm like, I want a second season. Oh, well, Um, tell me more. But at the same time, I wanted a second season of that Cowboy Bebop show, but that was not a very good show. Uh Uh-huh. You just felt like... Hmm? No, I'm sorry. Go on. (laughs) This is what MODOK does to us. Uh, I want to put them separate because I really did enjoy watching MODOK. It was not always consistently great and i went i'm not going out on the on the hilltops mean like you need to watch modok but i think if anyone has like a cursory interest in this character 
and or really likes the robot chicken style of comedy or if just wants to hear Patton Oswalt uh, be a schlub for 10 episodes, I think this it's well worth it to watch. Um, but yeah, I want I want that second season. Um, I'm I'm picking up the vibe you're uh, you're putting down, especially like um, and it has potential because there was times when it was really funny. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a little cooler on it overall than you. There was definitely a couple times I'm like, oh my god, I really committed to watching an entire season of this, huh? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, which you know, I, it's not so so bad, but um, I wanted to watch all my uh, K dramas. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. In it sounded like when we were talking before the show, you watched this. Is you essentially binge the whole thing or the whole thing in like two chunks, right? Um, that's approximately fair to say, yeah. Yeah, so I watched it, I watched two episodes at a time, um, over the course of, like, a week or two, uh, originally. Because yeah, I was like much healthier. Yeah, and I think that might also contribute to the way we're thinking about the show, because it was not a show that I started the first episode and went, I need to finish this now, like I did when I started Arcane. But it also wasn't a show where I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm dreading getting to the next episode. I'm like, I think two episodes a night is good. Um, Yeah, I feel you because it definitely it goes down pretty easy. Um, yeah. But OK, I want to we're going to talk about. So this is the show that's about Modoc, the Marvel supervillain. But it's kind of got some sitcom tropes in it about like the father's knows best kind of sitcom <laughs> uh, where they're living in yeah. suburbia and stuff. And um and and I want to say right off the bat that's a well of comedy that Moda comics have like often gone to at great success. There's Mom Doc and Modam and uh, all sorts of like weird. I've seen Modoc be a bratty teenager and I've seen him be a shitty dad. Like um, we uh, we've and seen here he gets to be both. Yeah, uh, right. Thanks to time travel. Um, but this is really about like Modoc uh, dealing with like the ennui of. Uh, middle class middle-aged american suburban life Mm -hmm. and i'm about to uh i there's another podcast that i'm enjoying and since i I, it was on my mind when i was watching this i i'm gonna uh credit it directly which is just king things a stephen king podcast uh from range touch is the podcast Mm -hmm. guys who make it and um uh, one of those guys at least has a phd and uh they talk about literature in a way that uh, I do not have a PhD in literature, but they keep on referring to a lot of Stephen King books as a bourgeois novel, because a lot of uh, Stephen King books are about guys who are concerned with material things, with their possessions, and with supporting their families and stuff like that. Uh huh. And um, and they have responsibilities to a wife and to kids, and they have a lot of financial things that are uh, like locking them down. Mm hmm. And those are the kind of characters that usually star a Stephen King novel. And so the Modoc show was like, what if we made a sitcom that all the conflict was like was like bourgeois novel stuff? Is what I kind of, and and the ways in which I don't relate to that was like really on my mind. Like a lot of jokes about um, Modoc uh, not being kind to his wife and then not understanding that she has feelings. Mm-hmm. And. And, like, not to sing high, high praise of myself, but I try to be pretty considerate to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I, I feel like that's the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I mean, though? I, like, I try to conform. Right? Like, uh, so, and, like, the uh, he's got a lot of fears about having, like, too much stability and it's all locking him down. Um, there was the arc about, uh, there's a whole cucking angle where he can't get over his uh, ex-wife dating again. Um, oh yeah, with Wonder Man. And with Wonder Man, played by Nathan Fillion, basically doing Captain Hammer <laughs> from yeah. from Doctor Horrible, just doing that voice and that performance and that character in like a very similar like man. Was there a generation of comic book guys making films and stuff who were really worried about getting cucked by a, a jock? Yeah, that theme comes up a lot. And then there's another thing that comes up in this one. Um, the te- with the Beck Bannon character with the tech guy. What's it? Uh, gr- Gumbler, Grumbler, Grumble, Grumble, Grumble. Um, and I couldn't help but think that, that when I when I heard that joke, I had to look up when the show came out to remind myself. Because mm-hmm. Grumble spelled like that reminds me of like 
2014, when pe- when Tumblr is still like a relevant thing that people are talking about, I mean, that might they might come again given what Elon Musk yeah. is up to in our current timeline. I think I think it was a, a play also on like Tinder and right. I was gonna say just, Tinder, Uber, all these apps that are like the simplified all cap spelling of words. Yeah. Um, but like that was like a hot thing in 2014. That's not how I think about big tech in 2021, 2022. Yeah, I think they were even writing it in like 2018, 2019. Yeah, and then it's really interesting that the perspective of that conflict is how annoying it is to be bought out by these like douchey fake young people who got are like new money rich and they can just like buy and sell you, but they don't understand or care about what made your evil organization great. Hmm. It's like very unkind to um, youthful upstarts. That's like not the because it's a schlubby Modoc, obviously. But like that schlubby, what if Modoc was like a forty year old dad? Actually, made Modoc kind of hard for me to relate to. Even though, yeah, you know, I, I get the the sitcom story tropes here. But like, so that's I think why I wasn't connecting with it like thematically as I'm watching it and thinking about what sorts of stories they're doing. Interesting. I think I don't know because I never saw Modoc as I mean he is the protagonist but I always saw him as like the fr- the show being like no he's he's mostly wrong all the time yeah most like, of what Modoc's he says is wrong desires and fears it's like he should not be afraid of these things not because they're not like potentially real fears but because like like what Modoc what are you doing whereas in like most of those other sitcoms or those um or like it's other bourgeois novels. <laughs> um, the fear is often real, and then in like Stephen King's case, it would be powering the horror. Is you know these fears, and the horror is the fears getting out of control and driving terrible things. Instead totally. of here, and- where it's like, what is he worried about? All of these the the wrong things. But then it turns out that the tech company is literally evil, controlled by the board. By uh, Haxos, the living corporation. Good Marvel. And it's not really the tech bro that's the the problem, even though the tech bro culture is kind of like, kind of sucking the life out of AIM (laughs) hilariously. I don't know. I found that that to be an interesting commentary that, you know, not very original, Maybe it was more original in 2018, certainly more original than when The Social Network came out. I guess there was a lot of times when they would introduce like a, a, a normal civilian character like Austin Vandersleet, which is such a yeah. name that you would give somebody, you know, uh, he sounds like he's Dutch, but it's like a fake Dutch name. So maybe he's got like inherited wealth. I, there's all sorts of things I feel like, like that that they're trying to imply with that name. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this story happened in the comics, but it didn't go this way at all. Like, a young guy with a lot of new money did purchase AIM and run it very differently, you know? Wasn't that, was that Robert DaCosta? Yeah, Robert DaCosta Sunspot. Um, huh. And yeah. that was what that story was. Great story. And But what Sunspot was doing was, like, uh, what was going on thematically there, written by Jonathan Hickman, who I think is around the same age as these guys and uh, has similar cu- cultural touchstones. Mm-hmm. But what Hickman was using it to write was how um, all the other Avengers were so dealing with, like, the latest Civil War where they're all fighting about this and that, that no, but there weren't superheroes still saving people. And um, Sunspot's just like, well, I'm going to buy this infrastructure, change the management, and then use all their, uh, you know, super weapons to, like, go back to saving people like superheroes do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would have been a more interesting show if it was Sunspot instead of just this, like, snotty millennial character who's nothing. um, And if um, AIM was being used for good and so MODOK opposing it was still villainous and not just, like... He wants it for petty reasons, but we understand that if Modoc is successful, he'll like take over the world and enslave everybody. Mm. Um, so we can root for the hero even as he's like vapid sunspot who doesn't who's oblivious to any criticism. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like the better version of the show to me. You contrast that with Tony Stark, who's like a an older businessman. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I think they wanted to lean more into the um Oh, what was it called? I guess into the 
um, well, I'm blanking on the on the term, the sitcom aspects more than kind of the social commentary on tech culture and comparing doing all of these these other comparisons like i think they just want to take pot shots at at silicon valley yeah well i just and i thought the those pot shots were the least compelling source of humor to me in the show yeah like the the marin stuff worked a lot better to me because um that was really well written in a way that um they both did wrong things in the marriage but he's definitely more evil than her. Um, and rarely was she made into a chump. He was a chump most of the time. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I appreciated because, I, uh, you know, it, it's annoying when these people have uh, fake identities and they're keeping secrets from their spouse over and over again. And the spouse just has to be, uh, I'm Lois Lane and I want to report about Superman for like 50 years. Gets old. Yeah, it, it, it does. But so uh, I'm saying, so Jody. Uh, Jodie Tarleton um, was pretty refreshing, I thought. Like, uh, she was a pretty funnily written character, and her sitcom stuff was the, like, the episode where they go back in time to go to the, what was it, the Third Eye Blind concert? Uh, yes. Um, I was like, is it them or Three Doors Down? I that's think what I was trying to remember. I pretty, yeah, because it was a uh, semi charm kind of life. Um, but uh, that was just like, that's a regular sitcom episode that's like uh but with time travel yeah it was sweet and then the except for the turkey (laughs) the turkey um i also really liked the stuff with the other marvel villains and i wish there was a ton more of it yeah it was fun seeing modok interact with the other z-listers but also like the a-listers Right, and especially, like, um, they were clearly not worried about overall continuity, although there was both, like, visual and reference references to events of the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Asgard was just the Asgard from the Thor movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's fine. That was cool. That's, like, a visual uh, touchstone that I'm familiar with. I'm cool with that. Um, but so, like, the, um, the Monica stuff was really fun to me, all because I that stuff always works, where they're, they're uh, battling over who controls the evil organization, and she's really, uh, uh, like, she's as diabolical and ruthless as him, but he's so chaotic and she's so neat. Yeah. And although she's kind of, she's all, and she's always, like, actually a lot better at the science stuff, but terrible at leadership here. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, exactly. They, by contrast, by making her a good foil to him. Um, she was, like, a pretty good character throughout the show. And I just, I, I must I say again, I fucking love Monica Rapaccini. Every time she, she shows up in a lot of stuff since you can just, she's got, like, a human name that sounds, like, a little bit evil because it sounds like her last name means greed. Mm-hmm. And, um, then she's just, like, uh, when, yeah, you could always have her just be, like, an evil CEO to cackle in, like, a comic book for a second and seem kind of normal. <laughs> Evil. Um, uh, another thing that made me think of you when we were watching this is um, mm-hmm. we, it's not going to be uh, Make My Multiversity unless we have the two Jews talk about whether or not we liked all the, the Jewish humor throughout it. Uh, while Modoc, so I, it was Jody is, um, it was Jewish, correct? That was Jody's rabbi? Um, I believe so. Yes. I think so. Um, well, I think Jody is Jewish, or maybe George Tarleton, they posit as Jewish, as played by the Pat Oswalt, and Lou is studying for his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And he wants the biggest bar mitzvah he can get. Um, and I felt that acutely watching like as he's like asking for all these things and you can just see jody being like oh god yeah i mean my bar mitzvah and i had a bar mitzvah and going by the pronouns i go by now that kind of tells a whole little narrative in and of itself uh i was (laughs) was not a a, like a lot of good feelings to me i I didn't like uh being put in public in front of a lot of people like that at that time and now i have some insight on maybe why that was um but you know i thought the that Ben Short stuff, like, um, he did, like, a weird little remix of the Call to Torah prayer, didn't he? Yeah. Um, 
And that was like, uh, yeah, Ben Schwartz knows, uh, Ben Schwartz had a bar mitzvah, but Ben Schwartz knows what these words are. <laughs> I don't know. The, the whole it rubbed the bar you the wrong mitzvah way? thing, yeah, the bar mitzvah, the prayer parts were weird. I don't, I don't know how I felt about that. Well, like remixing the, the prayers, yeah, remixing the prayers could, uh, could be a little bit disrespectful to some. Yeah. Um, at and, the same time, I was like, yeah, this kid would definitely do that. I, I you know, I, I saw it happen in the Hebrew school. I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> um, but it, it was done with like a familiarity. Um, and, uh, I, I, I actually really liked the uh, character of the rabbi, who kept on insisting that she was the fun, wacky rabbi, but, like, she was in a cartoon full of, like, actual freaks. Yeah. <laughs> and she just can't, you know, the, the very mild things she considers wacky, that that felt very true to life. Yeah. She just can't compete with uh, with all these people. Um, Which sometimes is also very true. It's like, I'm the fun, wacky rabbi, and then a family will come in and you'll be like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um... I, I just think it's a funny because the show that I most wanted to compare Modoc to because it was the most successful version of what I think Modoc's doing recently is of course the mm-hmm. Harley Quinn cartoon, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, another cartoon with a irreverent spin, a reverent but loving spin on uh, the the, pan, the the comic book pantheon of villains, um, pot, like from the perspective of the vil- a villain. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I imagine, um, and with like a, a similar uh, celebration of the crass and the shocking. Yeah. And and also with Jews. Right, so that's, I'm just like, so what, it, I guess that's just like where all the Jewish comedy writers are ending up is that they're all like, yeah, I've read a fucking comic book and I uh, I could do a, a mean-spirited sitcom. I don't know. There's, a, there's definitely a, a, th- a thread going through these. Yeah, it's interesting because I think this this one succeeds more on the animation department than Harley Quinn. Yeah, I I still don't love the animation style, but that's just Warner Brothers house style. Uh, yeah, does, I, I like it, the it, designs on that show in the least. Yeah, but I enjoyed the Jewish elements here a lot more I because there were that... some. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was fun watching. I just enjoyed watching Lou do, go through all of this and also how the family is like navigating it in a real way it felt more present in the small details. Yeah. Even if it was entirely over the top. Right. Well, because the, the bar mitzvah stuff wasn't, I mean, eventually it gets so pretty over the top because all the supervillains show up, but like, well, um, yeah. But yeah, the planning of it was another one of those like grounded family sitcom stuff that I thought worked more than it didn't. Yeah, where they where the business stuff was a total fell flat. Um, Bit of a wash. And when after they do Murder World, and when they showed up at Murder World, I was like, "Thank God we're doing a Murder World episode." God, that makes sense. (laughs) They end up with two lose with uh, with one of them is probably the real one, and one of them is probably a robot one. But they don't know who's who. And, but but then the way that for the last episode, they just like fucking go with it. That was a good joke. And that is a fun comic book thing where you think of something so weird and then you decide to sit with it and then it just never goes away. <laughs> They're just like, we have twins now. One of them is probably a robot. One of them is definitely a robot, but we, it, we, but we can't possibly know which one. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter. Um... <laughs> Over yeah, I'm just remembering the Murder World episode now. <laughs> the Murder World episode that was, was re- great. Yeah, it was probably my favorite episode, and it was really good because that was a good. The way the Modoc family all fucking murdered each other in their own different murder ways was kind of what I want from that show. Because something I like about the Harley Quinn show is um, that they never stop being villains, even though they're they're the protagonists, and sometimes have to like do heroic things and sacrifice themselves to save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they also will like force feed toxic waste to corporate bankers until their heads explode, or fucking whatever they get up to in Harley Quinn. That really happened on Harley Quinn. That was, I didn't make that one up. Um, was that a second date? Do you think, or a third <laughs> for Harley and Ivy? Yeah. Then I gotta. I, well, I think on this show we were seeing a repeat of their first date, and that's what made it so romantic. Ah. Uh, um, all right. 
No, we know how they met in Arkham on that show. There's beautiful flashbacks. I love that show. Um, and um, and yeah, the the perspective of like a chaotic lesbian crashing her best friend's wedding, I guess, just makes more friend- sense to me than Schlubby Modoc. Um, That's fair. That that just might be where I'm coming from. But um, but yeah, overall, I I looked at it, so it's kind of uncertain if Modoc's gonna have another season. It seems basically like it died with the rest of those cartoons. Hit Monkey got made and this got made. Um, but yeah, Pat- they were finished before the whole Hulu thing fell apart, so they still were allowed to air. Yeah, we essentially. lost. We lost Squirrel Girl. We lost. No, so disappointed. Da- uh, there was gonna be a Dazzler cartoon. Am I right? I think so. Yeah. And a Tigra cartoon, or maybe Tigra was on, uh, teaming up with one of them. Maybe, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's just so fucking weird that they planned this little crossover that didn't got made, and need, and it seems like Modok is probably dead there. But who knows? I mean, animation you can bring it together more quickly than other stuff. Um, in one sense, in another sense, it takes a lot longer. Um, but yeah. Pat Oswalt is so like in on the Marvel studio side, right? He's appearing in all sorts of different things. Yeah. Okay. It was a Tigra and Dazzler show, and Howard the Duck. And Howard the Duck, which would have just delighted us. Who knows? Maybe they'll fold uh, those ideas into a later season of Modok if that continues or something. One can only hope. I know you're gonna be hoping, and um, I am. And I'm hoping. I'm for hoping you. for a second season of Hit Monkey. I actually enjoyed that. I gotta still watch Hit Monkey. I heard nothing but good things. Um. Before we uh, get to closing out uh, this episode, I wanted to just talk about... So, the joy of this show for our podcast and listeners of our podcast is going to be all the little, like, deep pull Marvel continuity cameos or characters. And everyone was a deep pull for this. So, was there um, anyone in particular who you were just, like, thrilled to see or shocked to see or you had a strong reaction to? Hmm... I think my my strong reaction was to seeing Arcade and Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister was the light of my life. Mr. Sinister lit my world on fire. That Uh, was... I loved that. I mean, that whole... I I really loved MODOK walking into just that big club and essentially being kicked on his butt because it was the super fancy club. Yeah, where all the A-list villains hang out. It was, yeah. it was Mr. Sinister, the leader, and uh, Madame Mask. Yeah. Uh, funny thinking about Madame Mask as an A-lister. The leader, at least, is the Hulk's arch nemesis. And Mr. Sinister is an A-plus-plus-lister. I don't know, Matt. I mean, Madame Mask has been getting a lot of... A lot of... No, a lot, a lot of playtime recently, mostly with Hawkeye. I mean, I was going to say, but when you're Hawkeye's arch nemesis, that doesn't put you on the A-list. It's Hawkeye. He's got a no, bow and arrow. It's, it's not Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Oh, the better Hawk- Hawkeye. Uh, that's true. That's true. She's if she's Kate's arch nemesis, that's a little different. Um, but just like uh, seeing Mister Sinister animated was amazing. Seeing Kev- hearing Kevin Michael Richardson, Kevin Michael Richardson doing like a glam Brit voice was so out of character for him and fun. But like. <laughs> The, the the dissonance between hearing such a, like, deep-voiced, uh, intimidating voice, usually, or cuddly voice sometimes, mm-hmm. um, doing this, like, uh, Prince of Darkness thing was just, like, I, I could have... That should have been the show. Kevin Michael Richardson is Mr. Sinister is the show I want to watch. Maybe um, we'll get that spinoff one day. I can only hope. I also thought John Hamm actually made a really good Tony Stark. He did. I didn't even notice it was John Hamm. Yeah, uh, I I thought I recognized... I'm always curious because um, it wasn't exactly a Robert Downey Jr. impersonation, which often it is. Mm-hmm. And um, John Hamm, I think, has weirdly become one of those actors who um, becomes a, a, a parody of a handsome guy. <laughs> you know this type of actor? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Bruce Campbell or Nathan Fillion, who's also was uh, a superhero on this show. Yeah, Nathan Fillion is not. You know, Nathan Fillion was is very handsome. Was very handsome. Was definitely a sex symbol. Um, but now he plays himself being a parody of himself on the cartoon Big Mouth. You know. Yeah, 
I think uh, I feel like he always kind of has been, but they just didn't lean into it. Yeah, and, and John on. and John him the same, right? After Mad Men, he's just does comedy. Mostly, like he was in a bunch of Black Mirror episodes, and he's in some Black Mirror episodes. He kind of has a really fun and memorable villainous turn in um, Baby Driver. He was in Baby Driver. Yeah, am I crazy? God, I don't remember much about that movie. Yeah, that uh, controversial movie where I come from. A lot wow. of, but a lot of fun little bad guy performances. Yeah, John Hamm was kind of the main villain in that movie. Oh yeah. Oof, and the last time Kevin Spacey worked. Jeez, let's uh, moving back to Modoc. Um, well, that that was why I thought you were talking about it being controversial. No, just uh, the people I saw it with hate that movie, and I kind of like it. But they've uh, huh. talked so much shit over that over the years that uh, I have since kind of come around to souring on it a little bit. Mm. Um. Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man, we talked about doing his Captain Hammer bit, and so that was, like, reliably funny. And, like, I'm still a mark from Nathan Fillion showing up and doing his shtick, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was two villains, three villains in particular, that I wanted to just, like, shout out as um, fun moments for me. Okay. Which ones? Uh, Beyond Mr. Sinister, who, as I said, that, like, lit up my whole world. Um, mm-hmm. one was we had Dustin Ibarra as Armadillo, who was also a member of Modox 11 in the comic I'm that we read on this so very podcast. so happy Armadillo showed up. Yeah, and I was going to say, just based on, like, his role in that very fun comic, don't you have a lot of, like, affection for when he, he rolls on by? Yeah. Um, I kind of wish the episode where they were they uh, alluded to doing a Modox 11-style uh, heist... Um, yeah, I wish they had committed to the bit a little bit more, but yeah, it, it, you could tell where it was going because of the kind of show it this is. Yeah, but I still really would have loved to see like if Modok every so often did some heists with his loser squad. That would be great. Um, that would be great. And I would have been like a bunch of the guys on that team. Like I, if Rocket Racer showed up on this show, that would be perfect. <laughs> um, another character, uh, also voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, is Whirlwind. Mm-hmm. So Whirlwind is weird because he's one of these villains where he's got a pretty weirdly memorable costume where he's wearing that, like, pointy green armor, right? Yes. Um, He's got a very, like, basic, uh, an imaginative kid can imagine a million different things to do with this power power set where he can control wind. He can just, like, blow shit around. <laughs> he can spin really fast. and Right? That's like, uh, you could have lots of fun with that power. But... He's like a C-list uh, Iron Man villain, and you'd never like build a movie or uh, an arc around Whirlwind. You couldn't. Have, so I just like the the opportunity to make Whirlwind uh, more like have a personality was big to me, and I kind of wish he was around more on this show. He was a member of the regular crew. I think that's kind of true of a lot of the the bit characters in Modok. Well, the like and, a, but the mm-hmm. one who. I had no personality to me before this comic, and then I was, like, so sold on it was uh, Angar the Screamer, as played by Bill Hader, <laughs> where I've read some comics, and I kind of know Angar the Screamer as a as a punchline. I think he was a Daredevil villain originally, um, but he's most notable for being a uh, supporting shithead on, in Thunderbolts in the early days. Oh my god, he was in, he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh yeah, and uh, they they used a character with that name and that like vaguely Ugh. that power on Agents of Shield. Yeah. Um, but here they had Anger the Screamer was like a really just like leathery, washed up like rocker dad. And I actually love this territory for a Marvel villain. I feel like um, I could totally see this version of Anger the Screamer hanging out with like uh, Absorbing Man and just like a couple of other. Yeah. Uh, like a and a juggernaut. This is the squad I'm building of like guys who are like definitely assholes when they're on the clock, but when they're not working, they like don't want to hurt anybody. This is just their job. It's just what they do. Yeah, he's, I thought he's, he's just here to 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 scream and to to sing. Yeah, and to bring like this like greasy sheen to everything, which I th- thought was an important missing vibe. Yeah, you you need some of the, the 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 scuzz if you're going to be at the bar with no name. Yeah, I guess I I really I just want more Marvel villain stuff. I want a live action Thunderbolts movie with all the actors who are whose characters are still alive. 
So two of them? Yeah, probably not a long list. And no. um, I would love like a... If you're gonna be, they're doing like a fifty million of these like Disney Plus spinoffs where they're like, we're doing an Echo show, we're doing a Secret Invasion show, we're doing an Armor Wars show, and I'm like, where's um, give me a, a bar with no name genre show, and it's like Cheers, but for these asshole villains. We're getting one at DC. Yeah, Newtons. Jesus. Okay, I should start pitching stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say we need more of this stuff because we're already drowning in it. Anyway, Modoc, pretty good. Uh, light recommend if you want something pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it's a, and in total, it's about five hours. It's ten episodes, a half hour each. Yeah, it's not a huge commitment. As these things go, um, next time though, we're gonna be uh, shifting things. Not next time, but next, uh, we want to talk about our next book club book, which is making things a little bit more purple. Well, sometimes. A little more purple. We're going to be reading the entirety of the Hawkeye, the the most famous Hawkeye run, um, (laughs) by Matt Fraction uh, and and David Aha. Um, And among other, I think, Annie Wu and Francesco Francivia. Yeah, are, are, are the, the two I would usually mention who uh, had big, uh, notable impact on that book. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Hollingsworth did some colors in some of those issues, too. Yep. I forgot. His first name is David. David Aha. Oh. Yeah, I've been good. We, is... we've gotten that wrong on this very podcast a zillion billion times. We love his art and <laughs> we try to respect him as best we can. David Aha. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, are we reading all of that next time, Alas? Not next time. We are going to be reading the first half, the first ten issues, and then we're going to read the second half for the episode after that, uh, which are issues 11 through 20. Uh, we'll get into a bit of the history of it because, uh, yeah, it, it's a little more than <laughs> – yeah, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah, I got a personal history with this series. I've read those first ten issues a million billion times, and I'm going to tell you where I was in my life when I read those because th- th- that comic hit me at, like, a really important comic book turning point for me. Ooh, interesting. So that's tantalizing uh, glimpse if you care about my personal anecdotes on the next episode. Yeah. Um, if you care about Elias's personal anecdotes, his opinions, um, where where uh, might they be able to find you on the internet, Elias? They can find me... On Twitter, at Quetzal-ish, that's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. Um, it, I'm going to recycle my joke from the last time we did MODOK, and it is an acronym. Uh, but again, I am too lazy to actually plan it out. And how many things start with a Q? Not enough. Uh, and you can find me writing at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, we will have either begun or are about to begin our summer comics and TV binges. Uh, and so I will be returning with Babylon 5, the final season, and going to be digging into some early 2000s Batman. Hey, which is going to be a lot of good stuff weird. Here. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Where can they find you, Jaina, on the larger interwebs? I, too, am a writer and contributor to MultiversityComics.com, which is a pretty great website where I mostly write about X-Men, but I've been doing some weekly comic reviews, and I will be reviewing also in the final season, but not really because cartoons are lies, Attack on Titan, the final season, <laughs> part two of three. Um, they said it was going to be part two of two, but now it's part two of three. Um, and I'm also probably going to be covering, I have to figure out exactly how many issues this is, but because it's not many, um, Abnet and Lanning's Heroes for Hire comic, which was their last collaboration Ooh. as a duo. Um, and I will be redoing that on Multiversity Comics as well. You can find me on some other websites, such as Comic Book Herald uh, recently. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at rambling underscore moose. And now Elias, get this. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on, I just reactivated my Tumblr, and you oh. can find it on ramblingmoose.tumblr.com. The last thing I posted was on October 29th, 2017 at 11 a.m., and it was a picture of Stephanie Beatrice uh, cosplaying as America Chavez. Um, Wild. So that's what was going on on Tumblr, and I want to see if we can uh, get it up again, you guys. I believe in us. I think we can make Tumblr happen. I think this is the dawning of the age of Tumblr. Okay. Well, we shall we shall keep an eye on that. But Mark my until words. next time, <laughs> Excelsior.